Hey, listeners, welcome back to another episode of Being at Work. I'm your host, Andrea Butcher, and I am grateful to bring this conversation to you today. You know, we called this show Being at Work to have a forum to highlight our humanity at work. And in particular, I wanted a show to encourage leaders to really encourage the people in their lives to be more of who they already are. And I feel like the story that you're going to hear today is the essence of all of that. There's so much goodness and a lot of relatable leadership lessons in the story that you're about to hear. It's a reminder of the power of a single conversation, the impact that it can have, that we never know it can have. It's a reminder of the ripple effect, something that today's guest and I bonded over immediately. Chris Rollins is a popular keynote speaker and executive coach, and his ripple effect leadership framework empowers leaders to build inclusive, high trust, connected teams that most importantly, leave no one behind. Listen in as we talk about taking a pause before you respond and choosing love and humility over fear. And will you do something for me? Will you listen to the entire episode? There might be something at some point where you're like, oh, it's not what it's about. It's about seeing people. It's about letting people unfold their story. It's about love and choosing curiosity and openness to help each other on the journey that we're all on. So get ready. It's a good one. And it really has been a journey. And what I always think about is that we all have these journeys. We all have our stories. And I'll take your listeners back to when I was just six years old and my dad bought me my first set of golf clubs. At eight, I'd be watching Phil Mickelson on TV while chipping in my living room. Junior year, I go to a boarding school for golfers, even though it means leaving my friends, leaving my family, breaking up with my girlfriend, Lindsay. It all pays off. I get a scholarship to play Division I at Davidson College. And when I move in freshman year, I meet this guy across the hall. His name is Chase. And Chase and I become best friends, hanging out together all the time. One afternoon, I'm in my room, we're talking, and I notice I fade out the words that he's saying, and now I'm just watching his lips move. Huh, he's kind of cute. Later that night, we're pre-gaming with the guys on the hall like we always do. But Chase and I exchange some glances. I even pretend to point at something across the room just to graze his hand. And it's like a jolt of electricity runs through my body. The next morning, well, there's Chase in my bed. I know what happened last night, but I know I am not gay. Two weeks later, I wake up, there's Chase in my bed again. Later that night, I look myself straight in my eyes in the bathroom mirror and I say, 
what the heck is wrong with you? But that summer when I kissed Chase for the first time, I know. We go back to school that fall and we're keeping things on the down low. Meanwhile, my dad has been calling and I'm just ignoring him because he only ever wants to talk about three things. Golf, grades, and girls. And I don't know how I'm going to tell him about Chase, but I got to tell him. Three weeks later, we're having dinner after my golf tournament in Georgia. He is about to sign the dinner check. And I finally say, Dad, I'm gay. And I'm happy. His name is Chase. And then there's this literal pen drop moment. My dad drops the pen he's using to sign the check. And then he looks at me. And he says, I am so proud of you. That's awesome. Now, that night I think to myself, that went really well. <laughs> and I know it might not have, but it did because my dad made me feel safe, seen, accepted. And I know the way that he showed up in that moment, the way that he handled that one conversation was a key reason I was able to become senior VP of organizational development at a $40 million company with 200 employees by the age of 30. And that's why today I help organizations develop leaders who create those same kind of ripple effects for their people because everybody deserves to feel safe, seen, and accepted, especially during difficult conversation. Yeah, it's so personal for you. It's just such a great example of choosing humility over emotion and responding from a place of love. I have so many questions. So I want to go back to your coming to realize who you are. So you told us that you're like, I'm not gay. I am not this. What's going on? There's all this anger and emotion. I mean, that must have been awful because there's also got to be a part of you that's like, but this is so wonderful. This feels so real. This feels like who I am. What was going on in your head? The internal struggle was really intense. And I was very fortunate in that I was never really bullied. I was not a victim of those types of bullying that so many kids have experienced. And part of that was because I think I didn't really figure things out for myself for a long time. So the struggle for me was mostly with myself. And the idea that this future that I expected for myself, and I remember picturing family portraits up on a wall and everyone's there and there's a dog and the whole thing. I just saw it ripping to pieces, falling off the wall. And it's like, I don't know what this life is like. And that was terrifying for me. So there was so much uncertainty in that. And, and in fact, the struggle I faced in that was so intense that I actually got shingles when I was 17. I was in college and I, I just had so much going on. I was playing at the highest level, golf, trying to balance it all. Golf, athletics, friendships, relationships, schoolwork. It was a pretty intense time for sure, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. So here you are like coming to really uncover who you are, going through that challenge that you just described. And you tell your dad in the midst of it all, because you, you had a great relationship with your dad. 
Yeah, great relationship with both my parents, with my siblings. And I had at this point already come out to my brothers. I have two older brothers. And I said, I need some support here just in case things go really south with my parents. I need to know that I've got my brothers on my team. And luckily I did. So that helped me a little bit going into that conversation. And my dad, by all means, is not someone who I thought was going to kick me out of the house per se, which is something that is not all that uncommon, but you just never know how they're going to respond and change the relationship with you and, or what might happen. And what impact did his response have on you and you're coming to terms with who you are? Yeah. I don't even know that I still fully understand the impact that had on me. I just see the pain and struggle that many people go through with when they're not accepted or when they don't feel like they belong for whatever reason in their families, on a team, at work, and the physical, the emotional pain that that can snowball over time. And so for me, the way that he responded, it just gave me a lot more confidence to know that I was loved and I have a support system and it's going to be okay. And shortly thereafter, I spoke with my mom and she too was very supportive and loving. Although at first I think she thought I was playing a, a prank on her that I was joking around that I had to say, mom, I'm serious. This is happening. But I've been very fortunate in that way. Yeah. It created an environment then for you just to continue to be who you are fully and press into that. And gosh, I just think about all of the noise then that eliminates and all of the struggle that eliminates. And so you can just be a force for good and just be who you are. And that's the message for leaders. Exactly. And for me in that situation, it was not like an overnight thing where suddenly everything's great. I was still trying to understand what that meant for my life and what that meant navigating the working world and navigating being on a team with other athletes and in that hyper-masculine environment. So it was a journey, a process, just like it is for everybody. And I think my story is, is one about me coming out, but my leadership work, how I work with companies, it's not about how to be supportive of LGBTQ plus people. It's about how to be a good leader who's a decent human being who creates a safe space and can build trust so that everybody can thrive regardless of who they are. Yeah. And it's about the impact that one conversation can have. Think about that moment. It could have gone so differently and had such different ripples, such different effect. Have you talked with your dad about that since? Does he know that this is your pivotal moment? And does he recognize the impact of how he showed up in that moment? He does. And it was a really special moment, actually. So I use that story as part of my keynote talk that I give, which is called Become a Ripple Effect Leader, Building High Trust Teams in a Low Trust World. And the first time I gave that talk on stage to a live audience, my dad was actually there and my current partner was also there, my fiance. So needless to say, it was an emotional experience. I'm getting emotional. <laughs> And I'm not involved. I can only imagine. Wow. As a parent, I think, what does every parent want? We want our kids to be happy. We want them to be the gifts that they are. And so no doubt that was what was most important for him, right? And here you are living the life that you're supposed to live. Very grateful for that. Were you surprised by just how open and good he was through that? I certainly was not 
expecting him to be overtly positive and excited. Like he was literally showed excitement for me. I was like, what's going on? What, this is not how you're supposed to react. <laughs> so I was definitely surprised. And it makes me think about how we as leaders can show up in a way that's, I call them unnecessary kindnesses, like things that you can do that are unnecessary over the top in a way that will delight and surprise people and have a huge ripple effect in their life. And it is the power of the single conversation. And I share other stories about how I've been in meetings when the person who should be saying something isn't saying anything at all. And the mere ripple effect you talked about earlier, that the negative ripples that can come when people don't show up with that same level of curiosity and humility and vulnerability as well. Because in that situation, oftentimes parents make it about themselves and say, well, what does this mean for me? And what are my friends going to think? And so there's a lot of bravery and just holding that space for the person. Well, and I think we don't recognize the impact of those little moments. This is a scenario that no doubt you've seen so many times. I was with a client a couple of weeks ago. We were kicking off a leadership engagement. So it was with the CEO, his chief operating officer, and we were waiting for the other leaders to join us. And the chief operating officer was talking about just how overwhelmed he was with all the things he had going on. And the CEO, instead of validating or asking a question, he was like, oh my God, who isn't? Like you and me both. And then it was all about him. And I was like, oh, what a missed opportunity that is to just show some empathy. I could tell on the CEO's face, he didn't expect the CEO to act any differently. So to your point, just how that, that one little tweak and shift in response could have made such a difference for him. People want to feel seen. They want to feel heard. It is so simple and so basic. When I do these workshops and even during my talk, I give this opportunity for people to connect with each other. And 100% of the time, when people come back from that exercise, I say, how many of you learn something new about your colleagues? Everybody raises their hand. How many of you feel more connected to each other? Everybody raises their hand. How many of you feel like the dial was moved just a little bit in terms of the level of trust that you feel with your colleagues and everybody raises their hand? And all it took was one single minute of sharing something about each other. And I think that's what people need is that connection. And like you said in that example, there's an opportunity for connection there that builds really powerful connective tissue for trust building in the future. Yeah. And I love it how it does not take much time, how quickly you were able to get people into that place. Here's a question. Let's go back to the workplace because we've already established how this is a relatable story for all leaders because we are working with human beings every day. I mean, we called this show Being at Work because I want to highlight our humanity because we're all walking around as the lead characters in our own stories. And there's so much struggle and so much challenge that we're walking around with. And what you, the story with your dad highlights is that the environment, that the leader's response, that the tone that the leader sets, the ripple effect, is either creating environment where we're learning more about who we are, or it's shutting that down. And it's making us feel shitty and bad and question ourselves. So the leader has a really important part in that. I want to talk about the team members in that environment. Let's talk about you in relation to your dad. You had come to a level of acceptance before you told your dad. So this relationship with self is really important. 
how important is that? How do you think about relationship to self in relation to relationship with leader? I think what's coming to mind as I think back to my experience and I'll relate it to being at work is that the more and more clear I got about who I was and what was important to me and how I wanted to be in relationship with my dad, the more cold I felt our relationship getting because I was hiding something from him. I was hiding things. He was calling me and I was just making things up, right? And I was like, I don't like this distance that is being grown between us. And it's the same thing at work. If there's something that's going on in your own life, something about who you are, something about a project you did that didn't go as planned, and you just sense things, the relationship with your manager, your leader, getting a little bit colder, then that's the time to self-reflect and say, how do I want this to be? How do I want this to go? And that's what I ask myself is, I can't have my relationship with my dad continue down this path. So I need to have a conversation. And I coach people around us all the time. How do I have that tough conversation with my manager? And really, you just have to be the leader you wish you had. And in many cases, it's a very vulnerable conversation. And I've learned from great coaches and mentors. Just recently, Dr. Joan Rosenberg, who's a phenomenal psychologist, she says, the thing that is your biggest challenge, your biggest obstacle, make that your superpower, right? If I'm feeling potential shame or embarrassment about bringing something to my manager, lead by saying that and bring that into the space and then share whatever it is you have to share. That's it. Because it becomes much less scary once you say it out loud. That is so good. And I felt like this was an important part of it because yes, your dad gets so much credit for responding the way that he did, but you brought it to him with courage, with openness, with care. So we can't forget like it is a relationship. The employee leader dynamic is a relationship. And We all have a part in that. I think Brene Brown and others have shared a lot of great wisdom around faith spaces versus brave spaces. And it's true that we can't ever really claim a space to be safe for other people because we just don't really know. And so when I share my story with strangers and on stage, I have no idea how people are going to respond. But I'm leading with vulnerability and allowing people to have opinions about me And the impact of that is that it creates more trust and connection. And that's what I want leaders to take away is sometimes it doesn't have to be fully safe. It's going to feel uncomfortable. One of the coaching programs I did, Essential Impact, they say safe, but not always comfortable. And so that was a really uncomfortable conversation. And even though I wasn't necessarily sure if I would be safe, it was just non-negotiable. Yeah, it was a non-negotiable. And the relationship is so important to you. And you had the support of your brother. So I think there's also this relationship dynamic. There was support for that already. It wasn't like you hadn't talked to anyone. Such good parallels for the workplace. You've talked already about how you've shared this in lots of different circles. What response are you getting? I'll share just one that happened last week, which kind of hit me right in the middle of my chest, where someone said that adults don't often say to each other is... I'm proud of you. And he said, what you created and the fire you lighted inside each of us, it was such an honor to be part of that. And so I'm proud of you, Chris. And he talked about my journey a little bit. I thought, wow, (laughs) from one stranger adult to another, that's pretty cool to hear that. So that was at least a good one that came up recently. (laughs) I feel that. I feel the pride that he was describing. I feel the same thing. It's not about the content of your story. 
The pride is that here is someone who is being honest about who he is and the challenges that he's facing. And he's pressing into those things. It's so inspiring. I think we're all like walking ourselves home, trying to figure out who am I and what is my purpose? Am I here? What am I? The Barbie movie is such a phenomenon right now, but the Billie Eilish song, what am I made for? I'm just thinking about the song and I'm getting emotional. But isn't that the question? Well, so this is a story of you uncovering that and engaging the people that you love in that and not knowing how they're going to respond to that. Yeah. And I think why we connect so well and why I love the title of this podcast, Being at Work, is because we really care about the human being underneath the worker. And I think I'm realizing more and more, even just in recent months, that our approach to corporate leadership training and development is so tired and boring and structured. And how are we supposed to inspire people to act and change if we just throw a bunch of information at them? So the more that I've been leading with my story and having people really see themselves, because listen, everybody I talk to, they they can't relate directly to my experience, but what they can relate to is something about it, whether they're a parent, whether they've had something about their own life that they've hesitated to share with other people, something that they have shame around. These are all things that we can relate to. And so tapping into that piece, when I talk about, when I do leadership development, when we do this work, that's what really creates the shift to then show up differently. Because it's real. When there's an instructor standing in front of the group telling them what to do, it's bullshit. I have nothing to teach anyone about leadership because leadership is about who you are. So I can inspire and encourage that by sharing my own struggle and my own challenge. And that's the way to uplift and inspire, which is why your framework is so good. That's what your framework is, is it's pointing people back to their experience. I mean, and it's all connected. Our life experiences, I do think that's how we learn. Words don't teach experiences do. It's only by reflecting on okay, what felt good? What didn't feel good? What do I want to try differently next time? And it's exhausting and hard, which is why coaches are so helpful. So you've got someone to say, I know, sucks. It is hard. Keep going. 100%. We can't do it alone. It's like the biggest thing. I think Ben Hardy and Dan Sullivan wrote a book, The Who, Not The How. And it's really about the people that we have in our life that make us resourceful and able to deal with these challenges. Because then it's a shared challenge. My husband and I did an I-14er a few years ago. So we hiked to 14,000 feet. Neither of us would ever have done that by ourselves. But the fact that we did that together, it created this shared goal, which is much, much more appealing. What an incredible adventure. (laughs) It was so fun. It was really hard. We Actually, we set out that day. We're going to, we're like, let's do a silent 14er. We'll turn it into this little spiritual excursion. We got like a mile in. We're like, nope, too hard. We got to be able to moan and complain every once in a while. I'm so grateful for your message. There's so many takeaways, but the big thing is leaders pay attention to the environment that you're creating and pausing. Think about like what's happening here with this person and respond from that place, not from your place, but from what they need right there based on the relationship. That's the big takeaway. Um, just imagine if we all were just a little bit more intentional about that. The ripple effect that that would create is pretty inspiring. The ripple effect that would create. 
Okay, there's one last thing that you said to me the last time we spoke that I want to get your thoughts on. The ripple effect is something we talk about a lot at HRD. When a drop of water hits a still pond, those ripples is so similar to the influence that leaders are having every day. And it's just, it's a good visual that that people get. But you were talking about the still pond and how important that is. And you said, because in the ocean, you don't recognize the waves like you do in a still pond. And I had never thought about that before. What does that mean to you? Why is that so important, the still pond part? I think it just speaks to the overall environment, the culture, the dynamics that are at play throughout an organization. And there's an opportunity as leaders to really make an impact with those ripples. But it's a lot harder to do that in the wavy ocean with there's turbulence and waves crashing down. To me, the environment is what's so important and being able to even show up as a leader and and the responsibility of leadership to make sure that we're all operating in that still pond as much as we can. Yeah, as much as we can, creating, yeah, that quiet space for people to be heard. So good. Chris, thank you. Thanks, Andrea. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for your message. It really touches me. I appreciate that. It's been such a pleasure to share this with you. Yeah. If our listeners want to connect with you, where's the best place to find Chris Rollins? You can find me on LinkedIn, Chris Rollins. My website is chrisrollins.me, chrisrollins.me. Yeah. You put out a lot of great content. I can tell you're having a, you're having a lot of fun right now. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. That's the ripple effect you're creating. It's very inspiring and uplifting. And I'm paying attention to when I say something from you, that's for sure. Can I just be a bit prophetic here? Because I trust my intuition. I feel like you have only just begun. Probably the more you start to peel back and the more empowered you are to be more of who you are. The world needs more of you. So keep going. Be bold in that. That is very true and very wise. And I appreciate you seeing that and saying that because I believe that too. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story. 